Welcome to Chapter 2 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Rick Skinner, Chief Information and Technology Officer at UVA Health System. In this segment, Skinner talks about his organization's big plans with big data, what they hope to learn by starting an ACO, and the state of health information exchange in Virginia. Being an organization like yours, I I can imagine the amount of data you deal with, and um, just wanted to talk a little bit about your data management strategy and any anything you're doing with analytics or, or plans to do so. Yeah, sure. As a matter of fact, that's a particular interest of mine. Uh, I moved down here from uh, Toronto uh, about a year and a half ago, and uh, in Canada was responsible for a fairly large uh, analytics effort for the province of Ontario. Um, and that was one of my major objectives uh, and actually one of my tasks uh, coming here was to uh, accelerate our uh, uh, use of analytics. So uh, we've built an analytics team led by a uh, data scientist uh, who came to us from outside of healthcare um, and uh, have a uh, not only the uh, the data stores from what I'll call our transactional systems like Epic, like PeopleSoft, like like others, but an enterprise data warehouse, uh, set of analytical tools, and we're just now getting to the point where one we've um, we're we're pretty regular in terms of being able to effectively and efficiently generate all the routine reporting. Uh, Matter of fact, last time I talked to our chief quality officer, she uh, reminded me that she has 493 quality metrics that she has to report on on at least a monthly basis. Um, so just doing the routine stuff that isn't really even analytics is a major task for, for a healthcare organization, in particular an academic one. Then you add to that um, all the internal reporting. How many people did what last night, and uh, those kinds of things. So that's another huge layer, especially in an organization like this one, that is focused very intently on performance improvement across quality, safety, and other kinds of dimensions. So you can imagine the input or the information needed to support that before you even get to the fun stuff like predictive analytics having to do with uh, monitoring uh, newborns in the NICU, which is actually something we're, we're doing where we're able to, um, uh, with a high degree of accuracy, predict uh, uh, which uh, uh, cardiac challenge newborns are, are, are going to worsen uh, over the next 24 hours and direct people to, to that uh, bassinet, so to speak. So all of that taken together um, has been a major focus here. It's starting to gather uh, uh, to bear fruit. And I guess I'd mention one other uh, aspect of this, and that is, as, as I uh, talked about earlier, we're a brand-new uh, Medicare Shared Savings Plan ACO. Mm-hmm. And, of course, population health analytics is, is a big piece of being successful there. And we've uh, created a small analytical team to support the ACO to do those kinds of analytics. Okay. Yeah, I can imagine the the amount of legwork that has to happen before you start really, you know, getting those uh, really cool uses out of the data and doing things like the predictive analytics. Um, 
it's it's really interesting. I should mention one other thing that um at least so far has been fun, uh, that being a uh, part of the University of Virginia, the uh, the academic side of the university has spawned uh, something called the Data Sciences Institute, which is the university's uh, um, effort to harness the power of the, the buzzword big data um, <laughs> to explore advanced computational uh, uh, methodologies uh, for using large data sets. And uh, and so we've partnered with the university uh, to use some healthcare data sets uh, in in those efforts, and and that's uh, uh, very interesting, very early on, but still very interesting. Oh sure, it's one of those times where I bet it's uh, really beneficial being part of uh, you know, a university like that. Well, exactly, to have access to a whole faculty of. Uh, Ph.D. Uh, uh, mathematicians and data scientists and so forth. Okay. Now, um, as far as the uh, the ACO, can you talk a little bit about that, um, like who was involved and kind of how that got off the ground? Yeah. Last year, um, early last year, actually, we decided that to take an opportunity of the CMS uh, uh, call for an expansion of the ACO. So uh, the year before had been the first year of ACO applications. We applied during the second year, which was last year, um, for a Medicare Shared Savings Plan ACO, which in essence CMS decides which individuals in our geographic area Medicare-eligible beneficiaries had received the majority of their primary care at our institution over the last three years. They have a very complicated algorithm to figure that out that, I, that, that I, um, one, I don't remember, and two, I won't bore you with. But um, in any case, um, we applied, were accepted. So what that means for us is that there are approximately 20,000 Medicare beneficiaries in our geographical area for whom we provided the majority of their, again, primary care. So now, going forward, um, we are responsible for um, 33 different quality measures of, uh, for that population of Medicare beneficiaries and in future years uh, eligible to share in any cost savings that we generate over the traditional fee-for-service Medicare uh, for that population. And our intent in getting into this was not so much to uh, go after the potential savings, because this is a fairly small uh, proportion of our uh, total number of patients, but rather to learn about um, population health, accountable care, uh, and to uh, get an early uh, start in transforming the way we operate across the board, not just for Medicare beneficiaries, uh, in this very emerging and new world of uh, accountable care. Right. Right, it's interesting, and it seems like it's something that that you really have to have you know, a very deliberate apo- approach to because this is such a, a drastic change in the way things have been done for so long. Well, it is, and for in particular for 
academic uh, health organizations, um, it's almost uh, uh, diametrically opposed to um, our current practice. Uh, and so deciding what to change when and what impact that's going to have on the volume of uh, uh, patients you see, the uh, the reimbursement that you receive for seeing those patients, the setting you see them in, uh, all of those are variables that are going to change over a short period of time and change pretty dramatically. So not getting too far ahead of or behind that wave is critically important. Okay. Now, you uh, mentioned earlier in the interview about um, Culpeper Regional Hospital, and now that was something where previously, or actually possibly currently, um, you had kind of a partnership with them where you, you know, shared um, uh, IT expertise and things like that? No, not really. Um, We, I don't even know how many years back, uh, had obtained a 49% uh, ownership stake in Culpeper Regional Hospital. But Culpeper has always operated uh, independently of UVA. And so they were a standalone regional hospital, uh, although we owned, again, 49% uh, of them. Uh, But we had, other than a couple seats on the board, no stake in influence over uh, the way they operated that facility. And then um, at some point, uh, their their management and governance uh, decided that uh, they would uh, offer the remaining uh, ownership to the University of Virginia. And uh, we accepted that offer and uh, came up with an agreement for how to do that. Exactly what that's going to look like in terms of who does what uh, is yet to be determined. Mm-hmm. Okay. Still uh, early stages? Yes. Okay. Um, now, as far as uh, data exchange with uh, other organizations, are you involved in any um, statewide or regional HIEs at this point? We are. We um, are a member of Connect Virginia, which is a obviously Virginia-based uh, HIE, um, which is fairly new. I've uh, been around for, I don't know, a year, uh, maybe a year and a half. Uh, we are one of um, less than a dozen members at the moment. Um, and But the interesting part about this particular uh, HIE is that the uh, Virginia Health uh, uh, Authority uh, or Department of Health has um, – mandated that we report um, public health statistics like syndromic surveillance and other kinds of things uh, through this HIE. And obviously the hope is is that that will foster adoption of uh, the HIE by uh, more facilities. We'll, we'll see whether that happens or not. Right. But the, the other uh, uh, piece is that um, we are through um, – EPIC connected to all of the other uh, um, institutions in the state that uh, that use EPIC, and that's been very beneficial as well. 
since as an academic health center, uh, they are uh, all part of our referral network. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.